You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for being here. President-elect Donald Trump doesn't take office for another two weeks, but he's already caused a stir with foreign relations in many other countries. Trump has threatened to end or change longstanding trade deals and military relationships with NATO allies. Uh, He's praised Russian leader Vladimir Putin while calling for a potential renewed nuclear arms race. And he's ruffled feathers in China by speaking with the head of Taiwan and by insinuating a strong-arm approach against North Korea. Is our next president leading us into new international conflicts? Or, as he argues, is he helping to smooth over contentious relationships the U.S. has harbored for many years? Are the fears and anxieties that Trump has drummed up in America and throughout the world warranted? We have been talking uh, since Donald Trump has been elected about the, 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 the role that he sees for the United States in the world, uh, some of the things we've responded to, some of the things he said on Twitter and in other places that seem uh, incongruous with current U.S. policy. Uh, so we figured we'd uh, continue to, to that conversation today uh, with a couple people who are experts in the area. Fred Pearson is a professor of political science and director of the Center for Peace and Conflict Studies at Wayne State University. And Barbara Jones is a community dispute resolution specialist and faculty instructor at the Center for Peace and Conflict Studies at Wayne State. Barbara and Fred, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Good morning. Absolutely. Good morning and Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to you as well. You can say Happy New Year all week, I think, is the rule, right? (laughs) Next week, it's just January. We're just hopeful. (laughs) That's right. Hopeful or maybe apprehensive. I think is uh, is maybe a word that uh, right. that I'm hearing a lot. Um, Fred, I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, your assessment as the director for Center of the Center for Peace and Conflict Studies at Wayne State, I would imagine that uh, the things that the president-elect has said and is doing are really interesting. I mean, we have not seen. Uh, an actor like this, I think, in our on our side of uh, the international uh, disputes and and debates that we have in a really long time. I have been trying to come up with uh, a parallel uh, in our history, a, a chief executive who has um, sort of adopted this same kind of, uh, uh, bravado or uh, unpredictability, and I've had a hard time. But I imagine that's something you may have given some thought to as well. It is very difficult to think of parallels. What comes to mind is the isolationist era of the United States when we pulled back from commitments overseas uh-huh. after the First World War, particularly uh, sort of uh, bitter about those negative experiences. And we sort of closed in. We got a lot of protectionism in trade in those days, of course, and that led to a worldwide depression or spread the depression all over the world. And it ended up really fueling another war situation. Uh, There was a tendency to placate dictators uh, in the middle of that, of course, in the early era of Hitler and and others who were on the rise and nothing particularly done about it. 
there was a revulsion about what you might call multilateralism in those days. The League of Nations fell apart. So there are some parallels that uh, the Trump uh, rhetoric and his advisors seem to 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 be uh, involved with here. I think there's a definite suspicion of multilateralism in the in among these people. So this this would um, be analogous to. Uh, a Coolidge presidency or a Hoover Well, not exactly analogous because, as you rightly point out, we've never had quite this kind of uh, uh, pattern. And by the way, peace advocates for a long time did talk about the need for detente with the Russians and and collaborative attempts to stabilize the world. Uh, President Roosevelt felt that we needed to be partnered with the Russians for better or worse in the future. And that sort of fell apart under President Truman. Sure. So there are there are patterns here that are worthy of interest, but at the same time, there's an alarming tendency toward being ad hoc about everything. And I think Trump is used to dealing one on one with people, you know. Yeah. And I think he he's he a business thinks, person who's used to sort of sitting across right. the table and working out a quote unquote deal. Uh, yeah, but the problem is, you know, what what things are you putting on that table when you're trying to work out the deal? For instance, with China. Uh, the negative dealings with Taiwan is meant, I think, to pressure China. But then again, he criticizes China for not doing enough about North Korea. And then he wants to maybe make deals with China. Right. So you start out alienating the other party, and then you're supposed to get back on script with them. <laughs> yeah. So it's very hard to figure out exactly <laughs> what he's talking about, you know, in that sense. And how does that work when you throw in three different things that don't relate to each other? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, James on Facebook says, uh, new international conflicts are what are brewing. In 48 years, another leftist is going to have to sweep up the damage of another failed Republican president if we are all still alive. Uh, Barbara Jones, uh, (laughs) the community dispute resolution specialist uh, at the Center for Peace and Conflict Studies here at Wayne State. Is that is that from your standpoint uh, an accurate assessment of what we're facing? I mean, is this somebody who is going to get us into uh, new trouble on the on the world stage? I believe so. Um, emotions and feelings are very high, and when you're emotional and you're in your feelings, that those are sources of conflict: um, anger, frustration, um, fear. And based off of those emotions and those feelings, based off of uh, all of the things that are being said, then those emotions and feelings, they come out. Right. So based off of those emotions and feelings, we have to figure out how to be able to not only deal with it, but talk about those emotions and feelings and be able to not only be heard, but be able to listen intently, uh, actively. Uh, you know, uh, what's the response, though, to that? I mean, and, and I assume that what you're talking about here is that these emotions are are global. I mean, the people around the world, I think, are feeling a great deal of anxiety, not just about what's happening here, but uh, the things that are happening in their corners of the world. I mean, you think about uh, the, the Brexit vote in, in, in Britain. You think about the conflicts in the Middle East, uh, the things that are going on uh, in, in East Asia. Um, what's the response to the to that level of emotion? Is it more emotion? I mean, is that an appropriate way to, to sort of confront that, or is it to sort of try to uh, try to withdraw from the emotional dynamic and 
an appeal to something something Trump's different. whole thing by the way is a non-political correctness yeah, seems uh, to right. be valued you know tell it like it is be be open about everything well uh, he's done nothing to soothe or calm or reassure the public in various ways that a president normally does uh, for instance about Russia uh, normally a president would say, well, I got to wait till all the evidence is in and I'm going to listen to the CIA and we're going to listen to the security people and then we'll make our determination. No, he's coming. He comes out and praises Assange, uh, you know, initially right. without having heard anything. He doesn't seem to care what his words, Im- the impact of his words, same way lo- glo- uh, in our local life. Um, nothing he's doing is bringing, bringing people to sort of be calmer about fears of each other. He, you know, the the the, the instill, instilling of fears about immigrants, about refugees, uh, about race and the police, about all the kinds of things that he stirred stirred up, um, with nothing that a, at least presidential yet. He's not president yet, so okay, <laughs> but nothing clearly presidential yet in trying to heal uh, the wounds and not exacerbate them. And that at the center for peace and complex studies, we hope this year to be, be doing some things in a number of respects to try to heal and bring greater understanding of, of what's going on, ranging from the nuclear to the 2017 anniversary of the, uh, Detroit uprising. Right. Right. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Fred Pearson. Uh, he is professor of political science and director of the Center for Peace and Conflict Studies at Wayne State University. Uh, also joined by Barbara Jones. She's a community dispute resolution specialist and faculty instructor at the Center for Peace and Conflict Studies at Wayne State University. We are talking about Donald Trump uh, and his role in the world, the world he sees for this country uh, in the world, some of the things that he said, some of the policies he has embraced, uh, first as a candidate, now as president-elect. Where is the sort of peace and security dynamic in what he's doing or what he's saying or what he will do? What's the best thing our next president could do? to further a mission of peace throughout the world? And how do you think a Trump presidency may affect social interactions locally and in the world? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. If you want to call and talk about some of the people Donald Trump has uh, already uh, decided to put around him, what do you think, uh, what role do you think they'll play? Uh, in assuring uh, more peace uh, throughout the world or uh, a more defined or a differently defined American role uh, throughout the world. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Uh, You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or hashtag Detroit Today on Twitter. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Let's go to Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, Happy New Year. Okay, Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, You know, up front, Donald Trump is a very, very dangerous man. And one thing about Donald Trump, especially like when it comes down to foreign relations, he cannot afford to sit there and talk to foreign leaders the way that he talked to the people who he was running against to become, you know, the president-elect of this country. Um, but, you know, hopefully, geez, I don't know why I'm even saying this, but hopefully <laughs> who is ever going to be his mediator before it comes down to him and, I mean, ultimately, you know, Harry Truman said the buck stops here. Um, you know, they're going to have to smooth the path, uh, you know, before he gets in 
and ruffles the waters. But, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like what you see is what you get with Trump. I mean, yeah. this is the same man who started this race about when it was uh, last year in the team or 16 and, and, you know, getting to where we are now. Donald Trump has not changed. The only thing changed about Donald Trump was when he went out and got, uh, what's the name, Kelly Conaway to handle him. And I, I jokingly said this, they gave him a good elixir of Prozac and Xanax <laughs> to cool him out. Yeah, that's well. I, I mean, maybe they need to keep doing that <laughs> once he's in the uh, in the White House. Tom, I I absolutely appreciate uh, appreciate the call. Uh, Tom raises an interesting point about the people around uh, the president. Right. Of course, the president does not prosecute foreign policy. Uh, on his own. Uh, he has a secretary of state. He has uh, joint chiefs of staff. He has uh, uh, advisors uh, from from many different agencies. Uh, Barbara and Fred, give us an idea of, of what you think of the people he's already decided he wants to be uh, by his side. What, 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 what might well, we I think Barbara is, is aware that it's alarming in some respects, the, yeah. the people that he has designated. And by the way, I think the designation comes partly through advisors like Pence uh-huh. and uh, the Breitbart people that he's, uh, you know, surrounded himself with. And there is Kellyanne Conway who, who smooths it over with the public, with the press. But at the same time, um, it's a little bit alarming that the, the designated uh, attorney general has a very questionable record on race relations uh, coming from his own state yeah. and the dealings with uh, issues that have to do with voting rights. I mean, it's a, it, it could be a 180-degree turn in the P- Department of Justice, which would be very, very right. alarming. Which for things like peace and security here. And we have the Secretary really of State with a very close personal relationship with a, um, with, with a foreign leader in terms of Russia. Uh, based on his prior dealings in in uh, the the, uh, the petroleum world, shall we say, mm-hmm. um, so there's a lot of potential conflict of interest that that is almost impossible to sort out. Although he does say he's going to divest himself from Exxon and completely, uh, what does that mean? You know, in terms of his own preferences and his own uh, relationships. Uh, there are a couple of uh, encouraging, potentially encouraging people, like the Secretary of Defense designate. At least he's been been somewhat uh, critical of some of the uh, um, direction of of the other advisors. Flynn, uh, you know, the the National Security Advisor is very questionable. He has some good things to say about American involvements, but then he's a conspiracy theorist. If he believes this crazy. kind of stuff and he's at the right hand of the president, uh, what do we have going? So this is why, for instance, we're trying to do some truth-telling through the center this year and having a panel, a series of panels about nuclear issues, nuclear weapons issues, because right. I think the public isn't fully briefed, so to speak, about where we stand on nuclear weapons. And there's some alarm about that in terms of our, the reliability of our controls and the, then the potential for an arms race that he, he seems to just you know, lightly uh, mention on Twitter. Uh, Barbara can talk about yeah. some things we're doing on the local scene regarding race relations sure. as well. Yeah, I believe that uh, President-elect Trump does not give the American people credit for being knowledgeable or at least uh, investigating who he is choosing for his cabinet. Uh, the American people are smart. Yeah. The American people investigate. The American people do their research. 
the American people want to know, based off of his choices on who he has in the cabinet, how it's going to affect their lives, whether it's on a global perspective or whether it's on a local perspective. And based off of his social media <laughs> contributions, <Yeah. laughs> um, they're very reactionary. Yes. Um, and, and those reactions, I believe, caused a great deal of conflict. The American people don't know what his plan is. Yeah. Um, he's not giving enough information for the American people to actually contribute on how they feel about any policy, whether it's regarding race relations or foreign policy. And I believe that he does not give the American people credit enough, enough to credit. know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's an, that's a really interesting, that's a really interesting perspective on the way that he is sort of communicating with people and the things that he's talking about doing. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. 313-577-1019. Mike on the east side of Detroit, you're up next. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? Well, I just listened to her say that um, you don't think Americans are, uh, Donald Trump don't think Americans are knowledgeable enough. In other words, she was saying that most, I was taking it, she was saying that we're gullible. Um, well, I think she's saying that he thinks we're gullible. Yeah, you're right. And yeah. then she was talking about re- reactionary and all of this other stuff, and we don't know his plans. Well, it showed me that the other day that his plans was jobs, keeping jobs here in America. Um, you know, everybody talk about, uh, well, he haven't showed us enough of what his plan is. The man ain't in office yet. <laughs> That's true. Time. And then they talk about, what's going- look at Chicago and the killings. I'm going to tell you something, and I'm talking about as an African-American black man. Mm-hmm. I never lived this bad in my life under any other regime than I did under Obama administration. This is truth for you. Y'all want to kick truth. This is truth. You can't walk. I lived on the west side of Detroit where you couldn't walk in the gas station without somebody being armed with you. Sure. Just coming to a city near you, if we would have kept up with the same administration agenda. So y'all need to come off Donald Trump and give him time enough to build his administration and do what he got to do. Yeah. Well, his Mike, agenda is to make America great again. Mike, I, agenda. I, I really, I really appreciate uh, your 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 thoughts there. I mean, I think uh, there are a lot of people who who feel the same way you do, even if they don't support the the president elect. I think that the the level of frustration that you're um, that you're expressing here is something I hear a lot from, from African-Americans. I, I would count myself among uh, people who are frustrated with the level of violence, for instance, that you point out uh, in cities like Chicago or cities here like in Detroit. Even but watch out for the kind down. of remedies that come be, to and be that's, proposed. that's exactly where um, I was going. The, the, the question is, what do you do about these things? And is Donald Trump somebody who's proposing things that will make life better for people like Mike over on the east side or other uh, people who live in, in you know, uh, dangerous neighborhoods here uh, in Detroit or, or – I don't or know how country. Mike might react to the Juli- uh, Rudy Giuliani approach Stop to this frisk, urban right? order that we've seen pr- previously. And Gi- Giuliani had a very close relationship with Trump in his ear during the campaign. Uh, the notion of stop and frisk, the notion of, uh, you know uh, – Early prison, uh, sending people to prisons and keeping them off the streets. Uh, is that the kind of remedies uh, that, that are going to be proposed? I know he mentioned jobs, and that's also very important. 
but uh, the question is uh, a little smoke and mirrors about jobs. Uh, when we when we when we heard about the jobs that have been saved early on by President-elect Trump, um, you know, singling out companies and putting pressure on them. Uh, in many cases, these jobs, uh, a few are given locally in the country, and then many are still given overseas. Right. Uh, and so not how much is really change going to change as far as the job scene by the company-by-company company approach to the economy, which he seems to initially be doing? Uh, we don't know yet what his overall policy about jobs is going to job creation is going to be. Yeah. It, it's a fact that the Obama administration uh, uh, reduced unemployment to unprecedentedly low levels, but that hasn't really fully helped the inner cities. Yeah, I mean, I think, I'll, and it's you know, uneven. to do that, you got to be serious yeah. about raising people's skill levels, raising people's preparedness for work, improving transportation so people can get to work. Yeah. Uh, is any of that on the agenda? Uh, as opposed right. to what passes for improvements of the infrastructure or whatever uh, that's, that are coming. One of the major problems that we as the American public are not hearing um, re- regarding education, uh, regarding transportation, um, from the national level down to the local level. Um, we can talk about the education system um, that we are facing and dealing with just with Detroit public schools. How is that going to lead to having our young people equipped to be able to go into the type of jobs that we are That are going to exist, of? right. So a lot of the, the social issues and the health concerns and the mental health issues and trying to get to a job when it comes to transportation, we have to deal with a lot of those things. And the president-elect has not gone deep enough to at least touch base on some of those things that may be remedied on his upcoming presidency. All we can do is go by the early indicators. The caller is correct. He's not president yet. But look, I mean, the the appointment of his secretary of education is a person who is really committed and devoted to creating charter schools, I think, to replace public schools. Uh, well, and to replace what we call schools. public yeah. schools. Not a fan Charters public are schools. public in many cases, but they're not under community boards. Sure. Sure. And uh, instead of reorienting our spending toward really relieving the public schools, and I must say higher education too, by the way, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we hear almost nothing about that. We're going in another direction. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about how President-elect Trump will lead the United States on the international stage, also here at home on the peace and security front. Stay with us. Stay with us on the phones too. Marilyn and Oak Park, Doug and Warren, Phyllis and Warren, we will get to you. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, 313-577-1019 is the number. Stay with us on Detroit Today. listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, 
And as always, thanks for being here. My guests are Fred Pearson, the professor of political science and director of the Center for Peace and Conflict Studies at Wayne State University, also joined by Barbara Jones, who is a community dispute resolution specialist and faculty instructor at the Center for Peace and Conflict Studies at Wayne. We are talking about uh, Donald Trump and Donald Trump on the international stage, Donald Trump and the agenda for peace and security over the next uh, four years. What uh, does that look like? What is that going to feel like? What is the effect going to be on not just on people around the world, but on people here uh, in the United States? You want to join the conversation? 313-577-1019 is the number. 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Phyllis in Warren. Phyllis, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, hi, Stephen, and thank you to the guests. I think the conversation has been great. I have two comments to uh-huh. make. Number one, I am really upset with the press. And by the press, I do mean all media that do- handles Donald Trump or covers Donald Trump, uh-huh. because only 24% of the people, according to Pew Research, handle Twitter. They don't subscribe to it or get involved with it or don't do it. Facebook may be different, but he's on Twitter. If the press takes those statements and uses those as the piece of information that the public gets, then we as Americans are being shortchanged and are being put in an idiot box because we do not get (laughs) queries, we do not get challenges made to the statements, we get nothing. All of that is just in our head, in our mind, while he sits back and does what he wants. The other thing is more of a um, a crazy statement from a crazy old lady. (laughs) If you have an uncle who is 70 years old and acts the way Trump does, don't you take him into the doctor and get him examined for dementia? (laughs) I am very worried about this man because of the way he acts that there might be something wrong with him, and there is no, um, I don't think there's any law that says he has to be examined by a doctor. Um, There is no law that says his intelligence level or his mental capacity has to be reviewed, and these things worry me, and they worry me greatly. And so I think that the press has got to stop taking these yeah, so Phyllis, I, I I I agree with you that that it's it's problematic uh, the way that that's being handled. I, I guess my my question to you would be, you know, this is somebody who is almost principally communicating on Twitter. Uh, that is his main uh, sort of vehicle for saying the things that he thinks or talking to people. If if the press did not cover that, uh, then you would not know anything about what he thinks or what he says. This is someone who's not holding press conferences, uh, not meeting with uh, with with journalists uh, the way the way most uh, public officials do. So, I mean, I, I you know, I'm not sure what the I'm not sure what the solution is to, to to what you point out is a legitimate problem. But I think the problem is that he, that's what he's choosing to do. And every president's every word always has been a press, you know, sure, event. Sure. And Anything by the way, publicly, not right? just in this country, but all around the world, when the president speaks, people listen yeah. for better or worse. So usually the presidents are very careful about what they say. Uh, 
president-elect here has has taken the other approach, which is to let her rip, so to speak. (laughs) Sorry sorry to give (laughs) a different kind of media plug here. (laughs) But his whole approach is is in that direction, but he uses it to his advantage. I'm not sure if he's demented or not in that sense. He's using it very strategically to undermine uh, those who might criticize him or to stir up attention for himself and uh, for better or worse. So I think that he's a showman. He's been a showman for a long time. He's a salesman. Yes. He's been a salesman for a long time. He's a promoter. And I think he sort of thinks in these ways to use these vehicles to his so-called advantage. Into, yeah. But we are at a disadvantage in not having potentially press really covering him in depth. Yes, that's no, true. That's right. I mean, it, not yeah. just him, but covering the but whole, covering the whole, the whole policy situation. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Lisa in Ferndale. Lisa, welcome to Detroit Today. Um, hi there. Um, I'm actually a student of political science at Wayne State. Oh, hi. Oh, very yeah. good. <laughs> um, <on> the board. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to address some of the comments that Mike had made, um, uh-huh. one of your last callers. Um, one of the things that I studied is actually the way that um, power from a position it, uh, tends to be stripped when a person of color um, ascends to that position. Yeah. Look, at the, look at the role of the... Um, mayor in Detroit, and I mean, you can see it all over. Uh-huh. Um, they're typically not given the same sort of um, political breadth that other uh, officials would have been, and uh, not not only that, but um, I mean, there, there are things that he could have done differently, obviously, but um, I mean, there's no way that he would have been able to introduce any kind of sweeping reform that benefited um, inner city members, because we all know what inner city is code for. Um, and that's exactly what everyone was afraid of, not everyone, but that's what the white uh, majority was afraid of when he was elected, that he would focus on um, people who were other. Yeah. And um, not only that, but when it comes to the lack of jobs, I mean, we can't guarantee anything like solid, uh, stable employment if we can't even guarantee clean water and habitable school buildings. Uh, great, great, great point. And uh, you need to only look at the treatment of what is called Obamacare at the moment, which is a Republican uh, plan, a Republican It's, it's a conservative uh, idea, right. It and, was 20 years ago. At and least. 26 per, evidently 26% of Americans approve of repealing it. And yet that's the first item on the agenda in the yeah. congressional uh, arena and presumably the president-elect would agree, but at the same time, not, supposedly not create chaos. So what are we going to have here? Are we going to have a rebranding of it into Trump care? Yeah. And well, that'll I think be sufficient? I, I actually uh, think, or what? I actually you know? think that's, that's likely what we'll see is that they won't repeal it because it would, it would cause economic chaos and uh, a public health chaos. Uh, but they will, they will call it something Something but there is an, an underlying agenda to go st- uh, to states, states, so-called states' rights, yes, and go back to states and let states figure it all out. The environment is another one yeah. where evidently the people who are being appointed have no s- appreciation for the federal role in environmental yeah. regulation, but rather prefer the states. the states. Should be and yet the wind that. blows and the environment affects everybody <laughs> across states. <laughs> we, right. we don't remember what acid rain used to be. Yeah, right. And yeah. that didn't stop at state borders. Yeah. And, and that's in, in, inherent in, in the science yeah. of the environment. Yeah. Okay, Fred Pearson uh, and uh, Barbara Jones, both of the Center for Peace and Conflict Studies at Wayne State University. Thank you very much for being here on Detroit Today. Watch for our events you, on, our, on our website. We will. Absolutely. Thanks, uh, 
before I go, I want to give a plug to our new podcast here at WDET, Created Equal. Uh, takes a look at modern issues of inequality through the lens of history and narrative. Created Equal can be found anywhere you get podcasts, iTunes, or any other platform. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET Detroit, Wayne State's public radio station. See you tomorrow.